This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Well, this is just something I worked up. Uh, I'll do it for you. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Hello, I'm Jake and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, the podcast where we take plays, films and more that have never been staged before or are never likely to be staged again and we talk about how we'd stage them. As always, I am joined by Caleb. Congratulations, Jake. We have done a year of the podcast. Um, and in that time of a possible 52 episodes, we have managed 20. So well done us. Well done us. You know what? That's not too bad. <laughs> no. I, we can given, the year, given the year we've had, I it's think been it's a fine. bit of a year. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think most people and would agree. And we started with that. just before Christmas, which probably wasn't the best idea. <laughs> it was a terrible um, idea. I think that's all right. I think well done us. Yeah. And, and on to onto the future. Um, and we haven't just like done two and stopped, which was yeah. which was the first which, worry. Which is what We've most podcasts do. <laughs> this is also this is episode twenty. These are, you know this is a week for some milestones. This is episode twenty. Um, and so wow. we're pushing. We've doubled double figures. So we're basically in quadruple figures now, which is great. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how that works. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm feeling good about the future of this now. <laughs> great okay <laughs> fantastic well for our 20th episode we are joined by writer anna Mermus. hello hi how are you good how are you guys we're fantastic we're, we're good, very happy yeah. to be doing our 20th episode yeah, as very we've impressed. Heard. anna Thank is you. also um, a language expert as well jake oh yes <laughs> yeah I that's what they yes. call me around here sorry i mentioned you as writer and language expert yeah no, um, no yeah. but I, I did i i i you should be sorry I, we i wanted to do this film because i saw it i saw it on netflix and i thought who do i know that can really delve deep with us into the languages because this week we are doing a film which is called well it's called perfect strangers or it's called Nothing to Hide, or it's called The Game, or it's called Strange My Pocket, or it's called Intimate Strangers, or it's called The House of Flowers, or Kill Mobile, or Unknown Subscriber, or Blood Moon Party, because this <laughs> is the film that is the most, it holds the Guinness World Record for the most adaptations of all time, and so we're going to do another one. That That's what this is. I've already said the name, I've yeah, just realised. Yeah, <laughs> but there per- we go. <laughs> Perfect Strangers is the original title. Well, I, I say that... Is that's it's in Italian, but I'm not gonna attempt. Yeah, do you wanna? Um, do you wanna... If, oh, you, if you matter. wouldn't mind, yeah. No, I, 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 I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a 2016 uh, comedy drama directed by Paolo Genovese, uh, and it's kind of crazy, yeah, that it was released in 2016 and and since then has been remade another uh, 17 times on top of that um, within four years, um, and uh, yeah. I don't know. There's there's going to be lots to get into about all the different versions of stuff. Uh, Jake and I have watched a different version to Anna, but they all have the sort of same general premise, which I think is what we're going to work off of. Um, In fact, Anna, they, always, they have almost identical plots. Right, very yeah, between yeah. Them. yeah. So Anna, why don't you give us a little rundown of the plot of the Italian version, the original? Oh yeah, so the Italian version, there's basically eight 
people that go to a dinner party. I think it's four couples, basically. Sorry, it should be four couples, but then there's one guy who actually comes alone, so then it's only seven of them. Um, and it's, yeah, they just kind of talk for a bit. Um, there's some banter. And then eventually um, they get into talking about how phones are like our lives and how none of us could survive without a phone and how we all have all our secrets on our phones and someone comes up with the idea of them all putting their phone in the middle of the table and then whatever message or whatever call they get they have to read it out or they have to put it on speaker for everyone and it sort of becomes like oh do you have something to hide why would you not put your phone on the table so they all agreed to do it and then throughout the night all of these huge secrets come out about them I don't know that I should give the twist at the end. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I give the twist away. That's fine because we're going to get into it at some point. Yeah, so then but yeah, basically you go through this whole journey, this like emotional journey, all these secrets are revealed. And then at the end, well, I should say that it's at the time of an eclipse, which I don't know if it's relevant, but they basically... Like, <laughs> I don't think the film does either. <laughs> um, it's like... Yeah, there's some eclipse going on, and then at the end, you think like all of their relationships are destroyed, but then they leave the house and everything's back to normal, and they basically yeah. kind of like, do, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, they they pretend that they didn't have put the phones on the table, and they show you like how we all have these secrets that we're hiding. Yeah, that's basically the twist: is that they don't actually do the thing that you just spent two hours watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, there's yeah. The twist is kind of like there's a, a suggestion that the eclipse has been this sort of magical, realist, um, you know, like it's a magical realist piece because the 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 moon being eclipsed has somehow meant that none of this happened or there's some magic that means they can all stay uh, together as they were beforehand, even though they've all had revelations that they're all having affairs with different people and actually probably they're all unhappy in their marriages. So, um, Yeah, it's very strange because it, it says that like the revelations have been erased, but what they did hasn't. So like we still see that, watch it on Netflix, by the way, if you don't want the spoilers. It's on Netflix, the French version. Do not watch the American dubbing. It's horrific. Go watch it. Now come back. Hello, we're back. So now with the more spoilers. Um, sorry, like the guy that's got someone else pregnant, like she's still pregnant. They're all yeah. still sharing nudes. Like it's, it's just it. Nothing is fixed. It's just delayed. It's very, yes. very odd. It's it's a strange decision in a way to end it. I think, and I think it would be better to see because we begin to see the aftermath of one of the couples because they start to talk about how are we going to fix our marriage these are the this couple both of them have been sexting other people and they begin to say oh you know how are we going to fix this um uh, have we lost yeah. Anna? <laughs> do we want to stop for a sec um uh. <laughs> so um An anna's housemate has dropped the router that's where that's the wi-fi issues we're dealing with um <laughs> okay Hello. I'm so hi, so, hi, so sorry. Yeah, basically, I just found out that my um, housemate. Obviously, it had to be the moment when I'm like meant to be recording audio online. She dropped the router apparently, so that's why it all went <laughs> fucked up. Basically, I've never. That is the strangest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I also don't know what she was doing with it. That. <laughs> I don't know why, like, she would be holding it, <laughs> but it should be fine now because it's no longer being dropped. <laughs> you know, what? it might be like, when I was little, my mum was on the phone for a really long time and I really wanted some food or something. And I just fucking unplugged the phone, like, landline phone from the wall. 
<laughs> I was like, oops, <laughs> I guess your phone call got disconnected. So maybe she just fucking hates that you're on the phone. <laughs> yeah, she, she wants, wants my attention. She's like, oops, drop the route. <laughs> yeah, sorry, where did we get to? Well, yeah, uh, basically, uh, yeah. The the ending is this weird sort of magical realist um, take on the whole story where everything goes back to normal, but all, all of the terrible things they were doing carry on, um, but none of the revelations about the things that they're doing happen, which feels like a very strange way to end it because um, there's, you know, there, there are moments where it feels like actually some of these marriages could repair that you know they could work on it and they could repair those things that were wrong for example there's a couple who they're both sexting other people and they begin to have a conversation about how we're going to fix our marriage we're clearly both unhappy but then the minute they leave the leave the apartment they instantly forget any of that happened um and it's just like well, <laughs> there they look to be like some interesting growth there um and instead we're just left with like kind of cold on like the whole experience i think Wait, is that the one where he's, like, going to trial because she, like, ran someone over with her car? So I think there are some big differences here. In terms of, <laughs> cause I, because I have that was the no moment idea where what you're me, talking about. <laughs> the plot was like, I was just like, wait, what? They basically, I think they tried to do that thing where they tried to really raise the stakes. And, like, obviously it's about people cheating on each other and etc. But, yeah. like, they just added in a murder, basically. There, there was version. no murder in the French version. <laughs> well, and that's also not in the synopsis of the Italian version, so I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's quite strange. On, on Letterboxd, most of the reviews of this film are something along the lines of Straight people are weird, man. <laughs> um, which I think yeah. is pretty and, solid. And, and probably white people as well. Like yeah, the, yeah. the whole thing is like a satire of the white middle classes, I think. And I was saying to you, Jake, just after I watched it, um, I messaged you saying like, oh, it's 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 just an it's like an Alan Akebourne play, but for the 21st century. Mm. Like it's if Alan Akebourne, when he was writing, well, I mean, he's still writing now, but when he was writing in like the 80s, at sort of the height of his power, um, you know, it's like he he decided to write about everyone looking at their phones at the at, at the table and stuff. Yeah, and, and it it has the feel of that like oh poking fun at the middle classes and you know because a very middle class dinner party that's happening and there's there's jokes made about like the food that um is being made and and the sort of dynamic that they all have and stuff and they are you know they're all clearly like um trained educated professionals um so uh, yeah it, to me it feels like an alan Akebourne one play but with a sort of 21st century twist um but the thing that's m- missing that you would get in an alan Akebourne play is some co- kind of uh play with the form of some kind mm. or the the sort of temporal um way that the play works um which we'll get into i've got some thoughts about that yeah because yeah that that's why I, I that's the reason why i wanted to do it really because i watched it i was watching the first half and i i'm halfway through the film i'm thinking i'm really enjoying this it feels like a play it's all kind of already a play um mm. and so it feels like something that kind of could very easily go onto the stage and then after i'd started putting the cogs in order for us to do this on the podcast it kind of all falls apart a little bit um but um well it's only really the very end where that's true falls apart well it's it's the very end other than if you cut the very end then it ends very very strangely as you say uh okay so well let's jump in then so i mean first things first what are we looking at in terms of staging in terms of like how big what kind of scale what kind of set we're thinking any thoughts on that 
One thing I was going to say is it kind of reminded me of like God of Carnage, but like with less of a um, climax at the end, obviously, because then they like do the twist thing. So you could do it as quite, yeah, almost like quite a small set, quite bare. Yeah, I, I would like to 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 look at something that's relatively minimalist. My My other thought, though, is it being this dinner party and they're all gathered around a table, I'd love to put this in the round or at the very least in thrust um, mm. so that we don't have to play with staging to make it sort of awkwardly angling out and we don't have to lose the facial expressions of everyone or half of the, our cast and we don't have to find some conceit to make the move around the table, but we could just have it that you, wherever you get your seat, you see one part of the action and the people mm. on the other side are seeing another part of the action. But putting it in the round, I think would encourage a bare set like you're saying Anna but would also open out the action so that we could keep it like it is in the film but that everyone and everyone in the audience is experiencing a different part of that conversation yeah I like the idea of a thrust with with the kind of as you say minimalist kind of dining table stuff down downstage and then the kind of areas because we need we need areas for people to go off and not be heard by the other cast members so we can use that as the upstage space I think that works yeah I guess the other complication is like when they just go off you know um because in in the film like they obviously have like lots of different rooms i don't know how you yeah. change that well i think i think you're right jake in that we could do an uh yeah an upstage area even even like a um i'm thinking like somewhere like the minerva theater which i bring up all the time at chichester but that's because i've been there a lot um is a thrust space but often they'll build build some kind of raised platform at the back uh whether that be an upstairs bedroom or uh you know an, a, an outside corridor or something but they build it sort of six or eight feet in the air so that it feels like a completely different space and we could maybe do something with that yeah i mean yeah i mean i've i've got a little diagram here actually because the way i the way i see it what you need is you need the dining room space of the main space and then you've got the kind of kitchen area is kind of necessary then the toilet you don't need to be able to see inside it which need a kind of door that shuts um yeah. and then we have a corridor and then and then outside if we're going to keep the eclipse thing you need some kind of outside space but we cannot click keep the eclipse thing um, <laughs> I, i'm very tempted to just say let's cut it yeah I don't well know we do have things think. to replace but i think we probably will end up not it's in the french version it it thinks it's so clever it's like all the way through it's like seeded yeah. in there's even yeah. the, the light fittings on the balcony look like an eclipse i don't know if you noticed that i, I noticed I on not. the second viewing i'm <laughs> um, like it's really intricate but it's like but i don't understand what you think you're doing with it like it's not yeah it's not anything it's very odd um like it's not like they've built on a pre-existing myth like i've never heard anything about eclipses erasing like it's just very strange um yeah anyway because the thing the i guess the kind of the only big scale thing that i had in mind which i'm very happy to scrap because i like the idea of keeping it minimalist and tourable and all this kind of stuff um is Mm. i don't know if any either of you saw any of the pinter at the pinters I did I not didn't um, get tickets. So Pinter, I want to say six. I think it was party time and celebration. Um, had uh, this set that was on a uh, revolve, and it was basically similar to this. It was a meal. Most of most of most of celebration is a meal. I want to say I can't remember which one it is. Most of it's a meal. Um, and uh, they would the way they kind of move the conversation on in the way that they have these kind of weird montages of talking in the film, which you can't do. They'd kind of spin and have music, and kind of everything would happen, and the meal would kind of move as if we're kind of moving the disc forward, as it were. And then it would yeah. suddenly stop when, in this example, for example, a phone rings or a text goes off. Yeah, and that can help us with the passage of time. And I was thinking, you know, can you have like bins under the table? So they're doing this kind of very choreographed piece of almost like physical 
physical theater around the meal and kind of getting rid of food yeah. and, and moving it on. I think that would be quite interesting, but also... That, that makes me think expensive. of uh, an Akebourne production of Way Upstream, which is set on a canal boat over a weekend. And the way they did Passage of Time was uh, they actually had Frantic Assembly in to work with the actors on like a like a time-lapse style movement. So they were moving about the stage, but it looked like they were in a time-lapse. And then they put like a um, like a very... Uh, it wasn't quite strobe, but like a almost like a very quick sort of shutter on the lights. Mm. Um, so they were flashing and flickering, and it looked like a time lapse. So we, we were moving on several hours, and it looked like we were seeing the action of several hours happen within like 30 seconds or whatever. Um, so it was, yeah, bringing together sort of a technical element and a sort of physical movement element as well. Um, and I, yeah, I definitely think there's something we could do here, whether you use that rotation thing again um, or whether, yeah, something with the lights as well and definitely something in terms of the actor's movement, making it look like they're sped up even though they aren't would be really, yeah, really cool thing to add, a sort of stylistic, uh, yeah, addition. Yeah, because you could also do like for the text, because I was thinking you could either go really minimalist and like they read out the text or you could have it like, you know, kind of like a screen, like a projection with something coming up, um, which would completely change the dynamic. But it could be like yeah. the eclipse is there, you know, it could be all a bit um, <laughs> <laughs> like surreal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, ja- Jake's banned me from suggesting proje- projections. Oh, really? I always <laughs> suggest it. But you suggested it this week, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I do think, yeah, well, maybe an alternative to projection might come into what my potential suggestion of changing the form would be Um, if we're ready to launch into that. I feel feel like we're agreed pretty much on like what the set would be like and how we would sort of make the overall dinner party vibe happen. Um, So, yeah, do you mind if I bring this this thought in here? Go go for it. Go for it. All right. So... Alan Akebourne often has some kind of, you know, gimmick that is built into the uh, plot. Um, And that's missing here, but I think it could, something like that could sort of elevate what the show is. My current thought is, you know, in the film, the the choice of the order of revelations, I think gives us uh, a sense of like who the biggest, like, you know, most garbage person is because (laughs) we save their revelation for later, if that makes sense. Um, But I think in some ways to play with the order of those revelations would be an interesting way of giving like a different, uh, it would be a different experience or a different twist to like which characters are the worst and which characters get to defend themselves and which ones don't. So my thought is that every time the phone, a phone rings or buzzes, um, the audience decides whose phone it's going to be. And so each night that would change the order of the action of the show. Interesting. Um, and the way they could change, they could decide is at each audience member, either on their own phones and we have some kind of, we build an app with it or something like that, or we have like a sort of like little iPod touch type thing, you know, connected to their seats. But um, when the phones buzz or ring, the audience is invited to look at the phone and then they decide who's it's going to be. And then the notification can pop up on their screen in front of them, like literally the audience member holding the phone um, and they can see like the little message from whoever it is or whatever, um, depending on which, uh, you know, which character the audience has voted for the revelation to be about or the text to be going to if that makes sense that's really cool i like that because then you also every night kind of see like just from people's prejudices who they think the worst person will be you know yeah yeah he's interesting because um, yeah, in this, in this version true. to me in the story in the film 
to me there's like there is one character who's very clearly like the worst <laughs> yeah um yeah but the way wait, the which film... one is that i'm interested oh it's um the bloke who has gotten someone else pregnant when he's trying to get his oh, yeah. own and wife banging pregnant. his friend's wife <laughs> yeah that has yeah i uh, see and, yeah and he's obviously ex- the worst extremely jealous when he thinks his girlfriend is doing the same thing he is actually doing yeah twice. but <laughs> and see, also isn't see, he extremely homophobic yes yeah he is yeah he's the really homophobic. he's the he's the worst bloke but what what's interesting is in, in the, the film we don't really quite realize that he's the worst one until the very end because he's allowed to be judgmental about everyone else uh, because we haven't seen what's wrong with him. But can you imagine what it'd be like if his was the first revelation mm-hmm. and then the whole way through the play, he's trying to defend himself and backpedal. And so he's getting jealous about his wife, but we've already seen how horrible he is. And it would kind of bring a whole new you know, shade to that character and, and kind of change the the way that he interacts with everything that's going on. Yeah, I guess the thing with that is that she only answers the phone because she becomes... Like, if if we get that phone call from the jeweler really early on, I don't really know where anything goes. I think there would definitely need to be yeah. changes made mm. to uh, the plot slightly. Yeah. But I think overall, actually... I think overall, you know, if, if you say, like, okay, it, within the film, each person usually gets, like, maybe two or three... Um, texts or calls throughout the thing like they all get a number of them um, perhaps so perhaps you say like this person we know that his uh, you know he gets this text this text and then this call mm. um, so the first time you choose him he gets this text the second time you choose him he gets this text the, the third time you choose him you get this call and the the audience would you know would decide and so in some ways yeah I don't know I guess you're lining up all of these potential revelations but they would happen in different orders it's a lot of combinations um, but maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there are a lot of combinations and it but but I guess if you broke it down into these like miniature scenes mm. um so the actors just have to know oh when he gets this text this it's this scene and when she gets this cool it's this scene yeah um which is hard but alan eggborn has done a play in which um in which there's something like 16 different possible endings um and it changes according to what the audience votes for so i think there is definitely precedence for this to work and actually we can have the ending be the same either way but it's actually just the order in which we get there would be different i really like that i think we could definitely like that Yeah, I I guess, yeah, like you say, Jake, this film is so ripe for a stage adaptation. My worry was that nothing would change in bringing it to the stage. No, that's Um, the thing, because I think think uh, stuff has to change, because, well, A, because I think the ending is so weird. Um, (laughs) Yes. And B, because, yeah, I think, also, like, I think the reason why the ending is so weird is because we do hate these characters. Like, they're so unlikable that, like, we're not, we don't get to the end and be like, oh, oh, everything's okay. Oh, I'm so glad they're, like, we're just like, we're like, no, you're a sleaze bag. Like, fuck (laughs) off. Like, it's (laughs) like the whole, the whole last five minutes, there's like this really romantic conversation on a balcony over this guy freaking out because he's got a parking ticket because he parked in a disabled space and he's like, disabled people aren't real. Like, it's it's so great. That is not in my version. No, I (laughs) it's pretty problematic (laughs) i think that's what they replaced the like murder with (laughs) yeah well maybe that was a better decision than the murder i'm not sure but (laughs) there is a there's a suggestion that the 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 the, the, um the suggestion that the gym teacher is about to jump off a bridge at one point in the at the end of the french version then he just puts his phone down and starts doing exercise oh that's yeah that's kind of a joke isn't it such a yeah that's such a weird joke to make it's just so (laughs) odd 
<laughs> yeah so yeah we've got this setting we've worked we've got this sort of change in the form i guess maybe now is a moment to talk about what we might do with the well, one thing i was gonna say is just about like tone i feel like you could change it a lot yeah. depending on how because i feel like it takes itself very seriously in, at least in the italian one like i think that it kind of believes its own hype or it thinks that like, because you know how we're talking about, oh, these, they're these really like privileged people. And it's kind of, you know, you look at it from yeah. afar and you're kind of like, this is ridiculous. But when I watched it, I kind of felt like the person who made it didn't think that. Like, I felt like the tone was very serious, but you could like stage it to be really melodramatic. Like, you could do yeah. like bold colors. Like, you could just make it so obviously like pastiche like yeah. kind of funny i think the french one is similar in that it, like especially when it gets to the end and it kind of makes this revelation about oh these people have been homophobic this the guy's whole life like it, it feels like it's very like it feels like it's really saying a message and it's just interesting because like this film is only three years old but the message it says is like it's <laughs> yeah like, don't, don't be homophobic guys like it's yeah, yeah i yeah. think you're right yeah i i think what would be yeah, what would be funner is to make it the tone, yeah, feel like you say, like very farcical and maybe even build in like these very over the top reactions to everything with like slamming doors and all of this stuff. Um, and yeah, like you say, really bold colors, really. And also, if we made the characters into much more obvious sort of middle class archetypes so like one maybe like make one of them like very specifically like i don't know like a yeah. university professor or something and that's the entirety of their personality is that they are uh, you know they're the academic of them mm. make one of them like a really flashy um entrepreneur who's done very well in business and that's their whole personality is the fact that they they earn the most money out of mm. all of them and you use these archetypes to draw out further satire on on all of these different characters and their place uh, you know, in that scenario, but also in the world at large and how a lot of the revelations that happen are going to be very damaging to those personal relationships, but those people are all going to be fine. And I think that's quite an interesting, um, yeah, sta- to, to de- delineate between those two things would be that interesting. That is interesting, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like in God of Carnage, I feel like it's very clear that he's, or like that, that Yasmin Reza is like really making fun of them. And you could really play with that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, tell us about God of Carnage, sorry. Um, have you guys, like, it's actually quite interesting because it's, it's a French play, but um, they made it into a film. Yeah, I've, I've heard of the film, but I don't actually know anything about the story at all. It's really good. It's basically about these two, um, fa- like, these two families that meet up. It's basically, t- like, two pairs of parents that meet to talk about their children. I think it's that their children are fighting. Um, oh, it's John C. Riley in the yeah, film. Yeah, and um, Christopher yeah, yeah. is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and they just like reveal themselves to all be really awful, basically. But it's very caricatured, so it's it's just really funny as well, even though it's like, you hate them, it's also funny. Whereas I feel like in this film I personally miss like more, I feel like there could have been more humour, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think like you say, to to really play on these sort of broad stroke characters um, who we just know from the, maybe even like we can know from the get-go that they're quite awful. Maybe even like the early conversation before they sit down to dinner um, can, can just be like really smarmy middle-class conversation. Mm. And it can be so obvious that they're like giving backhanded compliments to each other um, and that they, they don't really care that much about each other as people, but they're just the kind of people that have like stuck around as a group of friends because they were friends at, I don't know, at university together or something. Um, and, and they've just never really made mm. any 
better friends to have or something. I don't know. Mm. Playing with those dynamics would be really interesting. Which I think I think kind of is the suggestion in the film version, the French yeah. film version for sure. Um, just with these kind of strange, slightly less smarmy kind of undertones. In that, so like one thing I was going to say that I found interesting was that the I don't know if you can speak to this at all, Anna. Like the the word, the translation in English for the French uh, homophobic slur they use is is faggot, but it, the actual word in French is pedophile, which is like it has quite a lot more Whoa. weight to it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and I find that kind of interesting with it. They like it's very like that's very aggressive. Um, as far as like they're they're not saying like oh you're gay, they're saying like oh you're a pedophile because that's what being gay means. And like there's so much tied up in the and i kind of see from that why it kind of feels like it does have to be a bit more serious with itself but i think there's a way around that especially in yeah but i think also there's a way of the more you draw out the comedy in other moments the harder hitting a moment like that could be uh if you play yeah. it right in that you can have a tonal jolt for this micro scene if we're breaking it up like that um and then even a tonal jolt back into the comedy of the of the um the sort of dinner party as as a whole and actually y- using these sort of like very specific and very clear tonal shifts uh from farce into something maybe that is not taking itself seriously but that we we acknowledge that the content is very serious could be an interesting way of sort of um mm. utilizing how terrible these characters are to um well, to, to further show that they're just horrible human beings and, and to make the most of that and to make the most of that as a comedy, mm-hmm. but also to make the most of that as a sort of shock factor um, in, in as a sort of broad melodrama as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there there are some. I think with our little scenes, there's just there's like some there there'd be some like little twinges we'd have to w- work out in terms of like motivations. Like there's there's a, the weirdest thing in the film for me is that the guy sending photos to a random woman finds out that the gay guy is gay before everyone else and he try he just takes it like he doesn't say oh no we swap phones he just takes it for like a good like 20 minutes and that seems to yeah. be just so they can delay when that's revealed so i do like yeah i think i think having this like switch and that being able to really delve into it and think about okay what would the real consequence of this be and how would that affect the next thing would be much more interesting i think than this kind of slightly overly set up order of revelations that we've got at the moment yeah yeah i think so yeah and and um i think as well in some ways it it means that the audience can acknowledge that we're playing fast and loose with character motivations because they'll be aware that the audience the the order's changing every night and so it's kind of like character motivations and also i guess the idea is that all of these people are sort of slightly opportunistic people and so they they latch on to any opportunity they have to accuse someone else of being worse than them and so the fact that their their um their own motivations might change from you know mini scene to mini scene shows that they're just latching onto the opportunity to accuse someone else of being worse than they are um and i think probably paints them as worse people overall as well and that could be an interesting thing to to utilize in the form as well yeah because i i think Mm -hmm. at the beginning i at least found that it wasn't that strong the reason like why they were doing it there could be more yeah motivation there because it seemed like none of them really wanted to they they try and make it so that the one introduces the game is the only one no it's not even the only one that isn't cheating she is cheating so no yeah it's complete bollocks go on (laughs) she's cheating but she's cheating with someone in the room so she knows she won't get caught (laughs) that's true yeah 
Yeah, I, I think in some ways, though, yeah, again, that's a... It, either you play that as comedy and it's like, it's it's funny that these people even agree to do it because it's clear that none of them want to. And maybe even you you have like an, a few lines that really acknowledge that fact. Or you play it where like one of them agrees to it pretty early on. And so they become it becomes competitive, like one-upmanship. Like, yeah, of course I'll do that because, you know, it's not only you that would do that. I would do that as well because I'm as good or better than you. Um, and use their own sort of selfishness as a, as a way into them all forcing each other to play the game through sort of peer pressure. Mm, yeah, I think that works a lot better. Which, again, I think it's something that the film's kind of doing, but is not willing to play with... Well, not willing to play with, like, hamminess and not willing to, like push things beyond uh, very um, muted naturalism apart from at the very end. And I think kind of what you've been saying, Anna, is that actually what's fun here is that we can push past naturalism and kind of put it into this sort of hyper heightened scenario in which all of these characters are willing to be worse than any of the people we might know in real life. Um, and we, we can delight in how terrible they are to each other. Yeah. I also think that... Um... I think they do dramatic irony. Like, yeah. they don't take advantage enough of the opportunity for it because they use, like, they want there to be these huge twists at the end. But I think it would be a lot more interesting if you knew a lot of those things when you first go into it because then there's that tension and you're kind of like aware of the dynamics. Whereas I feel like they're doing it for the payoff at the end, but I don't think it's worth, like, the lack of tension that you feel yeah. not knowing. And, yeah, and I think also if we're playing with, with the order of things, we don't need to have the same uh, revelations. Instead, we can utilize dramatic irony and build a real awkwardness in the whole room. And that's such an, uh, uh, an interesting shared experience in a theater to all, mm. you know, 400 of you or whatever feel really awkward about the situation altogether at yeah, once. Yeah, I think yeah. it really affects the performances in the movies where the actors, because the audience doesn't know something yet, they can't act properly the way they probably would like they can't like do the side eye looks they can't make the faces because it would give away the whole like what the director sees is the whole point if that makes sense yeah it, you can't show the discomfort yeah definitely um and then i think yeah you could just you could use like the the revelations at the beginning like some of them obviously and obviously like you say play with the order so that in certain scenarios that the audience is much more uncomfortable than in other ones. Yeah. Yeah, and so one, one production might feel like it's revelation after revelation, and that could be interesting because it feels like there's twists and turns. Mm. Uh, and then one production could be this thing where we get all of the key revelations right up top, and then we have to just sit in the awkwardness that comes from yeah. that for another hour and a half. Um, and, yeah, that could be yeah really uncomfortable but like a really interesting atmosphere to be sat within um yeah i agree mm, yeah i think that would be really cool and it, and again it's always good to find ways to encourage people to come back more than once uh from a marketing perspective you know like yeah that's, different so, yeah, that's night true kind of thing yeah i mean i think you could even scale it down to something that would work at the fringe um and small enough that you could have people coming back over the course of a, the run at a, at a fringe festival or something <laughs> no one ever no one um, ever comes back i mean at a fringe the festival. idea would be put... <laughs> but yeah no yeah well no but but people sometimes yeah, do. Do, do but no yeah. I, I think you're right though i mean 
whatever way you do it and and i mean definitely my preferred option would be to doing it doing it as we've discussed with you know potentially having a revolve and putting it in a thrust space and stuff but i think there's yeah there's there's scope there to um to to pair it right back and use it as a as a fringe production as well which is interesting yeah it's a highly malleable production that, well that's what's so great about it and that's why it's been you know picked up by so many different countries and 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 uh, remade as a film so many different times i think and it's kind of mad that i can't see any information that the 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 stage rights have been bought for it um really? whereas like all the different sort of different film rights for different countries have been bought but there's no information to suggest that it it's ready to go on the stage at any point. Oh. I mean, maybe that it has, and it's just not public knowledge. We'll have to get in touch for a shopping agreement. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's. Um, I did not think we have enough money for that. <laughs> I mean, it depends who made it. Um, but um, no, but in all seriousness, yeah, no, it's it, a question I want to start asking. Actually, uh, it's kind of obvious for this, but it is like, is this tourable um, when we're talking about how we stage things? Um, and yeah, I think this is yeah this is the most like this is this is the most play film that i've seen in a long time and that is kind of why i wanted to talk about it yeah i think you're right i think it is terrible i think of of the stuff we've done this is the one that doesn't really need to be hypothetical compared to some of the others we've done recently Mm. um because because you could make it relatively cheap and i think um like you said we're offering a reason for people to come back again and again because it would be different every night um and i think as well if you could attach uh some pretty decent names to it maybe not even like maybe, probably not like film actors but maybe like well-known stage actors mm. um or even tv actors i think you could be building a really really interesting uh and popular production of something uh and something that i think yeah i i, I could see it, it working as something that could could be toured, but then could be put back into a bigger space after a successful tour. Mm. Uh, yeah, it really feels like it could be a real play, and it's not far off of that. Yeah, and it feels like it would be successful. Although, I mean, I guess there are still, I guess, I think there's two questions we still need to consider. One is just a practical thing, and one is quite important. Yeah. And they kind of connect each other. And those are, yeah. is, is this a one-act play? Or is it, is there an interval? And, yeah. and then, what do we want to do with the ending? Do we want to just leave it in chaos? I, that feels very unsatisfactory. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would personally do it as a one-act play. I don't know what you think, Anna. Well, I was going to say one-act, but then I was thinking about if you didn't have the apps, you could have it that in the interval, you so, like the audience can make some kind of choice. I don't know what... I guess, like, yeah. that would only be one choice, though. But um, you could make the interval kind of, like, what changes. Like, the first at half could be, like, it's always a certain mm. way, and then... After that, it's different every night. Yeah, that's less ambitious, but more possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I I think that that's fair, and I think it could mean yeah, you you kind of have a a, a straight track for the first act, um, and maybe even you make it a longer second act, which is quite unusual for a play, but I think it could work. So you kind of do all of the setup in the first act, and maybe you have the first couple of texts, but then in the second act, it's like okay, now over to you, audience, you decide how the rest of this plays out. Um, so you get a chance to set the tone before handing over all of the control to the audience. And that could be mm. a useful way of doing it. I agree. Yeah. Oh, I mean, if we want to go full theatre of shopping, um, mm. I'm thinking the the table is on the stage, but then there's the audience is not a traditional theatre audience. It's you, you actually like have a meal with them <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> and mean, then the play like, cool. comes in and out depend like on the meals. 
Or you could even just set it up so that it's in a big space and, and everyone, all the audience is sat around having their own meal and then there's a meal happening in front of them as well. I mean, that would be maybe quite a weird vibe. I don't know. <laughs> well, but um, if everyone's in their own households, then suddenly we have a COVID secure play. No, well, that's true. Yeah. But no, I, I, I was just thinking as well, like if you were to find a place to set the first act, maybe even you have all of the preliminary, we're, we're meeting all of the characters and stuff. They all sit down to dinner. They decide to play the game. And then the moment you do the sort of curtain drop, the blackout is the moment the first buzz comes in and it comes up on the phones of all the audience. Then you cut to blackout and then you have the first interval. And maybe that's even an opportunity for the audience to fully realize how all of the tech works in terms of them choosing the options and stuff like that. Um, and also it, it kind of teases what the second act is going to be, which is this sort of more interactive playing with the whole form of the the play that they've seen mm. so far. And yeah, that, the that is that issue of like, how do you communicate with the audience what to do without being very hammy about it? But also- yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That could be like an interesting like a kind of interval because normally i feel like in the interval although people do talk about what's just happened you know you kind of maybe you know think about the outside world a bit more but like if they're if they're being introduced to this tech during the interval maybe they're like kind of staying in the in the play if that makes sense yeah 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 exactly and and they can stay in like be uh you know, if you set it with a meal, they could stay and eat or that's where the next course comes in or something. And if you didn't, uh, yeah, it's, it's an opportunity for the audience to... Well, the whole thing would probably not be much more than two hours, right? Or it'd probably be closer to an hour and a half, I think, if we if we made it work right. So it's not like the mm-hmm. audience are going to be desperate to go to the toilet or anything. And, and I think it wouldn't be an issue to put that interval even half an hour in and then have an hour after that or something like that. Right, more of an interval of convenience than tradition, yeah, as it were. Yeah, and I don't think that would be an, an issue. And I think then, yeah, you could maybe even, you know, I guess it kind of breaks some of the atmosphere, but maybe even have some explanation either come up on the phones or be delivered from the stage of how the next half of the show is going to work and oh, how I've got people are going to use their it phones. It says you should download this app. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, if there was an app, we'd get people to download it beforehand. But <laughs> so do you like the inter- the interval has adverts? It's like, oh, I've got a text. This text says, "Do you have a VPN?" <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, any way to to get a bit more funding for the show. I mean, whatever that works for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so I know I think that that Gosh. yeah, kind of maybe treating it like a one act play, but having an interval of convenience would be useful. And then yeah, the other question was dealing with the ending. Yeah, I I actually wouldn't mind like we just have this sense of chaos, and then they all leave the apartment, and we're just left to imagine how they might figure out how to um, rebuild those relationships. I think that would be a very um, Acheborn way of finishing a play, but I do understand that it's maybe not very satisfying. <laughs> but in some ways, you don't want it to be neat, do you? Like after all of that. Mm, yeah, because the whole point is this descent into madness. You're yeah, right, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I like. I kind of. I can kind of deal with it if it's like we kind of see the start of the resolution of the couple who have both been doing the same thing. Yeah, I would like to see but that. It's weird because it's only okay because they're both doing it. Yeah, it's very. It's a really interesting like moral thought <laughs> yeah i think maybe if, if we had the beginning of them trying to repair that relationship maybe we had uh ben the guy who's sort of closeted gay guy who they find out that he's gay maybe maybe we have him like you know very resolutely like 
I'm never seeing you guys again. I have no reason to see you. And maybe even he decides he's going to take yeah. that job in Nantes and he's going yeah. to get far away or where, you know, wherever, depending on how we decide to make the location work. Um, and then uh, maybe then the guy who's cheated on the wife, his wife, he's trying to get her pregnant. Maybe you, you have absolutely no resolution for that at all. And then maybe there's a sense of awkwardness between the couple whose apartment we're at. Maybe even we leave the show with them to clearing up the stage after the dinner party and maybe not acknowledging or not talking about one of the revelations that came out and not willing to acknowledge that they know that things aren't right between them. And we leave the audience with that image and that sense mm. of unease. Right. Yeah. So we, but we stay as the audience in the apartment, which makes the most sense. And so when those two, the, the ones that are in most trouble chase each other out, we don't see them again. When the guy yeah. says I'm leaving, we don't see him again. Those guys start to make up, they leave. And then we're left with like, yeah, that kind of works. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think that works? The other thing I was going to say, like, is do you have as much cheating as, like, because I feel like at the end, I don't know how many characters it is, but it's like three or four that have been cheating, right? Um, yeah. I was kind of thinking, it's quite like, I mean, maybe that's the point, but it seems a bit much. <laughs> like, I feel like the revelations could be slightly different in our version like there could be something to do with money or something like yeah yeah you know? yeah not all sex based yeah, yeah i guess the idea is that the, the point is it's kind of trying to make is well it's trying to be provocative isn't it and i think that that's sex becomes a very pr- provocative taboo issue and when you bring it out there it becomes uh a very you know once you shed light on that it's like exciting and racy and stuff but yeah i think actually bringing money into it maybe even like the husband you know whose apartment we're at maybe he's gotten them into some really big money trouble and he doesn't want the wife to know and maybe there's some kind of revelation about that could be really interesting yeah like between that couple there could be something more because like you say it kind of cancels out because they're both cheating on each other yeah yeah maybe there should be someone who's more like more in the wrong i don't know or is it good that they're um, sort of equal. I kind of like that they decide that they want to try and repair things together and work on it. But I think maybe yeah. um, maybe one of them could have another layer, another foil to to um, what they've mm. been doing. I think that could be interesting. Yeah. So we're getting rid of the eclipse. Yeah, the, the eclipse is out, man. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> I think just the idea that like the plot twist is there was no plot. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. That's, that's such a. <laughs> Yeah. I guess I guess a lot of things do do it. Like Peter Pan does that. <laughs> That's supposed to be yeah. So yeah, you could uh, make that up to the audience. Like they could they could decide whether they like undo it all. Yeah, at the end. well, potentially. And I think most audiences would would decide not to undo it. Yeah, and that would be interesting. That that's maybe a possibly a way of. I don't know it. how much stake that has for the audience. Like the audience being like, "Hey, for this last thirty seconds of the play, do you want to see what would happen if it didn't did happen, or if everything well, we saw was irrelevant?" Well, to their I life? guess I guess <laughs> as well, the, the kind of problem with that is that we we talked about you know we, we want to make it really clear to the audience how how terrible these people are, and so even though they might be trying yeah. to patch things up and stuff, we also acknowledge that they're they're just like not nice people. So then to say to them, "Oh, but you could make it that none of this." stuff happened to them and they remain awful people i think most of the audience would be like why are you giving me this option <laughs> this is a strange option to have yeah oh, it's an interesting one if you put it like that but it's also not an interesting one so, yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah um, do they remain do they remain ignorant <laughs> and terrible or do, do they maybe begin to change their ways slightly because of it um mm. yeah okay i think to be honest i think we we've, we've probably covered most of the stuff to talk about there 
it like you say, it's very stageable, but I think we found a way of make, bringing some kind of USP to the theatre experience of putting this on stage. And I think that's important um, because... Well, because theatre is such a different experience to film and um, and it's not just about you watch something that happens in one place, but actually it's about bringing the audience into a, a whole sort of atmospheric experience with the characters on stage and acknowledging that connection there. And I think that the way we've talked about staging it would do that in a way that the film never could. Yeah, I think that's a lovely summary. Um, yeah, I think I think what I found so interesting about this film is just the way it's in so many different languages and it's been translated like it's in russian it's in chinese i mean chinese isn't a language it's in different versions of chinese it's in um loads of european languages i think they're starting to make an american version like this it's yeah it's it's i've seen it's incredible how many I don't, as you say in such a short space of time as well and i guess it's weird because it's like i guess it's because it's a universal story but also it's not a universal story and that it's like fucked i think it <laughs> I think it's relatively universal in the ideas, but it's so cheap to make and to change and so malleable to different scenarios that it, it, it feels like a really easy thing to just be like, okay, this is the Italian version. How can we take this very basic idea and, and these beats of a plot and then just make them Hungarian or Greek or German or Vietnamese or, you know, whatever. Um, I think it works uh as something that is that malleable and and that makes it work even better for the stage i think in some ways mm. and also a great advert as well like you know every literally everyone likes this <laughs> yeah yeah um jay i'm really sorry I've, i'm gonna have to wrap up um but I, I mean if you've got more to talk about you two you no, can no, do no, that let's... and then no let's 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 wrap it up when we've nearly talked for an hour and i think that's i think we've gone through it let's let's do it um real anna thank you so much Thank you so much for your insight and for coming on. It's been good fun. Have you enjoyed it? No, thank you. It's been so nice. I really enjoyed it. Is there anywhere people can find you online? Anything you're up to at the moment you want to tell people about? Here's your soapbox. Um, yeah. So um, I'm on Twitter, Anna Mermus. It's spelled M-Y-R-M-U-S. I realise that it's, it's not phonetic, so I just need to make that clear. Um, but um, yeah hopefully I'm going to have a website soon with like writing mm. things on it but for now just Twitter's good I can test that Anna is a fantastic writer I've, I've been in one of her plays and it was great thank you uh, <laughs> uh, no worries um, cool uh, Caleb where can people find you online I, I'm on Twitter Instagram and letterboxd at Caleb Lebster that's C-A-L-E-B-L-E-B-S-T-E-R Jake where can people find you online thanks Anna strange you asked but i guess caleb must not be here anymore <laughs> um, <laughs> um well you can find me online at jake reesh that's j-a-k-e-r-e-e-s-h and this is the maybe like it podcast and we are maybe like it productions you can find us on twitter and instagram at maybe you like it that's with the letter u or you can find us on facebook at maybe you like it productions that's with the word u or you can visit our website at www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk or drop us an email at info at maybeyoulikeit.co.uk and please do let us know your thoughts rate us tell your friends and thank you cav for our lovely theme music playing right now and uh, thank you so much anna for coming on once again great okay let's wrap it up there Maybe you like that, maybe you didn't. <laughs>